Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Join us each week as we work to make faith simple. This is Simple Faith. Hey, I want to thank Courage to Lead for sponsoring this month's podcast. Courage to Lead is led by a friend of mine and my personal coach, a guy by the name of Sean Lovejoy. He has been a real estate developer, a church planner, mega church pastor, and now the CEO of a fast-growing coaching and consulting organization. Sean's been a guest on the podcast, and I've gotten to know he and several of his coaches that help pastors and business leaders all across the country. And recently, I was invited to join their team to be one of their coaches. Listen, I've just learned this over time. You can only get so far on your own know-how and own intellect, wisdom, experience, and smarts. You need someone that can coach you and help you see the things that you cannot see. And Sean has done that for me, and their coaches have done that for countless leaders and pastors. And now I'd like to do that for you as well. So if you'd like to inquire about either me being your coach or receiving a coach, contact me at pastorrustygeorge.com. And you can click the link there to find out more information. If you'd like to just go to Courage to Lead to find out more about what they do, you can go to CourageToLead.com, a great world-class coaching organization helping you build a killer team and grow your organization. I'm so excited to be a part of their organization, and I would love to meet you there. Thank you to Courage to Lead for all that you do for leaders and all that you've done for me. Sean Lovejoy, back with us for the second time. Thank you so much for returning. Uh, for those who did not catch the previous episode, which I don't know anybody who missed it, but for those who don't know who you are, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so one, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I love you and I like you. And honored to do life with you and partner with you on many levels, as we'll, hopefully we'll talk about today. But I'm a coach. You know, I've got marketplace experience. I got ministry experience. I was a pretty good preacher, pretty good leader. I'm even a better coach. You know, it's my calling, it's my gifting. I give him all the glory. And now it's I've been able to kind of reproduce myself and we're coaching a bunch of people that I'm not coaching. And I love that too. So one of the things I've always been fascinated about with your story, Sean, is you're not, you know, just somebody who, hey, you led a church for a while and now you, you know, you got out of it, you want to help others. But boy, you have led in a lot of different ways. Tell everybody a little bit about your real estate background and what you've done with that, and then then why you decided to plant a church and where it went from there. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know that part of my story, you know, because I definitely wasn't famous back then, you know, but I never wanted to be a pastor. You know, I was a business guy. I was, I've always sort of been wired that way. And... um I was a real estate developer. My family's been in the real estate business for 53 years, and I just grew up in it, mm. primarily on the development end of things, residential development end of things, some commercial, mostly residential. So I grew up with, you know, mud in my shoes, you know, walking around in new developments, began to get my feet into it, got my real estate license when I was 19. By the time I was 22 years old, graduated college, I was the top selling agent in our entire county. You know, and in the middle of all that, mm. God wrecked my wife, Trisha, and I in the best way and felt like we, God called us to be pastors. You know, so we hung that up, mm. took an 82% pay cut that year, <laughs> 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 moved to seminary and took a church, you know. But I always knew I, could, I wasn't good at reviving the dead. 
you know, I knew I was a pioneer. I knew I was a spiritual entrepreneur. And I, and I, I got turned on to church planting by kind of a rebel professor in seminary who'd started a church in a movie theater in 1989. Hmm. You know, so we moved to Metro Atlanta, plant a church in 99 in my living room, grew to be a mega church. But my missional engagement was always the business people. Hmm. I mean, those were my friends. Those were who I hung out with. And the more our church grew, you know, they began to ask my advice on a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, our main campus, broadcast campus was a 32-acre campus. And, you know, that caught their eye and their attention. And, you know, they wanted to know how what made me tick. And I began to realize how much we helped these guys. And so we made the second scariest decision we've ever made, almost a decade ago now, to hand off the church. We didn't have to leave, you know, for potentially more influence. And that's why we're on this podcast today. Mm. Uh, Courage to Leave was birthed, and it was one of the scariest decisions I ever made, but it was one of the best decisions I ever made. One of my favorite books that you've written, and you've written several, is Be Mean About the Vision, uh, which I love. And now having known you for a few years, I know how much that is such a passion of yours to keep leaders on the path of their original mission. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that book and kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, of course. Um, all my books have sort of rose up out of our coaching. Mm-hmm. And Dave Travis was one of the guys, longtime Leadership Network leader and yeah. Went on to be with Generis and has become a friend and peer. He said, Sean, you need to write this down. You know, it kind of rose up out of our coaching. But the idea behind being mean about the vision is not giving permission for leaders to be mean to people. I know some mean I know some mean pastors, you know, but to be intentional, the word mean has another definition in the dictionary. The word we use the way we use it more often, I meant that as a compliment, or I didn't mean it that way. It implies intentionality. Mm-hmm. So being mean about the vision is being more intentional, more inconsistent, and not delegating vision to someone else on the team when you're the leader. It's the one thing you can't delegate. Mm-hmm. You've got to be the one, the champion, and sometimes, oftentimes, the protector you know, of the vision mm-hmm. for, for what God's given you. And of course, if you quit on it because it's hard and God told you to do it, that's the essence of missing the mark. So it means it's also got some of that stick to in there as well. Like be mean about the vision, finish what you started. And that's mm-hmm. what I've always tried to do. You know, um, one of the things that uh, I've appreciated about you is just how you have helped me understand the difference between a consultant and a coach and then a counselor. And there's three different things there, right? There's a counselor that kind of helps you with one thing, coach that another does, and, and then a consultant helps another. And I think we often get these kind of mixed up, especially in the pastor world. There are pastors out there that they think, well, I don't need a coach because I've got um, a counselor. But there's a big difference. Would you define kind of the difference between those three and, and the little area in which you try to influence with coaching? Yeah, they're all they're, they're, it's really important, you know, that you define coaching properly. What some are calling coaching out there today is really just content delivery. Oh, yeah. It's really training, which there's nothing wrong with this. You know, this podcast is a great example of that. It's content delivery. But let's not call a podcast coaching. Right. You know, let's not call a phone call with 3,000 people on the line where it's one-way communication. Let's, you know, an effective coach has a relationship with the player that he's coaching. Hmm. And they're able to watch the player play 
and offer them feedback, which is a real big difference between a coach and, say, a consultant who drops in, writes up a report, offers some advice, and sort of leaves town, you know. But a coach, I think, to have a, a, a true coaching relationship requires a relationship. And I've got to be, a, to offer effective advice, I've got to be able to watch you play. You know, it's one of the roles you and I've had, but then offer you feedback, sometimes permission, sometimes perspective, sometimes contextualization, sometimes accountability, you know, along the way that a coach can provide. And of course, you know, a lot of the guys that have, that have been clients of ours have been with us for years for years. And the longer I walk with a leader, the better advice I give. Yeah. The more I know him, the more I know his wife, the more I know his team, you know, so I give better advice. So that's why we built Courage to Lead primarily around the device of one-on-one coaching. And I was told it couldn't be scaled, but we've actually proven all the skeptics and cynics wrong. You know, we've done it. You know, and so now I'm, I'm able to offer one-on-one coaching to lots of guys. I can't coach everybody one-on-one, but we have an arsenal of guys like you that I can offer up on a silver platter who pastors a larger church than I ever did, by the way, who can offer, you know, that one-on-one great perspective and accountability, mm-hmm. you know, to a leader out there. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I've benefited from the most is I have, goodness, I've had a ton of consultants come in and give me advice and give me programs to run. And I've had counseling, which I greatly value, but having that person in my life that, you know, is more, it's different than just having a buddy, you know, a buddy is great and you can commiserate with them. A coach is like, okay, I know you, here's what you need to do. And I'm going to call you next month and make sure you've done it. Uh, Seems to have, uh, has really benefited me in a long way. Uh, what about in your own life? Uh, you know, who are some of the coaches that have uh, have helped you along the way? I'm glad you asked that because um, you've probably heard me say, like, if if you're ever hearing Sean Lovejoy speak and you're like, oh, I've heard that somewhere before, I guarantee it. I've never had an original thought. <laughs> Everything I know, I learned from a great coach. And if you think about it, that's true for you. That's true for I mean, everything you know, you learn from someone else. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new under the sun. And I've just had elite coaches in my life. I mean, I'm not name dropping. I've had close personal coaching relationships with people like Andy Stanley and like Sam Chan and like Rick Warren and like Ed Young Jr. even years ago. You know, and every one of those people, like none of those people I wanted to be a copycat to. I didn't want to be them when I grew up, but I learned something from every single one of them. Larry Osborne's another one came mm-hmm. to mind. And people have asked me like, well, how in the world did you get in a coaching relationship with those guys? I stalked them in the name of Jesus. You know, <laughs> I I finagled my way into an event where they were and stalked. I waited in line and I shook hands and I asked them, could I buy you a cup of coffee? Could I meet with you after this session? Do you have any time at this conference I could meet with you? You know, and I I, I gained rapport and I built trust. And I tell God, if you're going to have coaches, swing for the fence, man. Swing for the fence. You know, and I was able to meet with those guys one on one because I asked, you know, and because I always came back to the table and I said, hey, just so you know, because <laughs> here's what a coach wants to know is this a waste of my time, which is a more precious commodity than money? Or are they actually going to go put into place anything? 
that I suggest. Mm -hmm. So I would wrap around the second conversation. I said, hey, Larry Osborne, just so you know, <laughs> let me tell you what I did following up from our last con Like I actually went and I released that guy from our team. <laughs> you told me by your observation was not up to snuff, was not on board with where we were going. He's like, wow, that's a good investment of my time. And it helps coaches you know, know that it's a good investment of their time to know that you'll execute, you'll have courageous conversations, you'll make courageous decisions along the way. That's such a great, a great word for people out there that are receiving any kind of coaching. And I love that idea. Find somebody that you want to know from or learn from and then just stalk them. Uh, but then the follow-up really will separate you from everybody else. Exactly. Because everybody's got a question or they want to meet somebody or whatever or get the selfie. Um, but to be able to uh, ask a question, do it, and then go back and say, hey, this helped, thank you, uh, that coach will lean in and say, well, what else can I do for you? Uh, and it goes a long, long way. So you know, I look at your life and, and you, know, you, just, you listed some incredible people there. You know, from that, um, what were you able to do that without them you would not have ever accomplished? How, how did they inspire you or what were a couple of steps? I mean, obviously the planting of a church, but then also the starting of this new business. Were there a couple of things along the way you think, had it not been for a coach, that wouldn't have happened? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. I mean, in macro, you know, I, I, I say that an organization cannot grow faster than the pace at which it makes decisions. You know, and we have both been at places many times where we weren't sure what to do next. And if we had an inkling about what to do next, we were certainly apprehensive and tentative about pulling the trigger. You know, and I think the number one thing coaching provides on the front side is just permission, mm. permission, you know, which allows you to make decisions more swiftly. OK, I don't think fast growing churches make better decisions than stuck churches. I think they, my observation is they just make more decisions. They make a lot of bad decisions. That's good. Yeah. But they correct those decisions quicker because they just make decisions. And coaching has allowed me to like make the decision more swiftly. But frankly, we're not just running off half-cocked either. We're making wiser decisions. Mm -hmm. We're making better decisions. So, man, when you're making decisions more rapidly and you're making them more effectively, the reason why myself or the organization I've led have never had a train wreck is not because I'm that smart, because I've never made a big decision without processing it through with a coach. Right. So I've been able to make some scary decisions, you know, and I, but I've been able to make them effectively. You know, when I mutual friend of ours, Steve Stroop, amazing pastor and coach out of Texas, just handed off his church a few years ago. When I got ready to hand off my church, guess who I'm talking to privately? I'm talking to Steve Stroop, you know, and he offered some amazing perspective behind the scenes of how to do it well. Saved me, saved me. Just a few things he said, you know, so it's it'll keep you from having a train wreck and allows you to make decisions faster but it allows you to avoid a lot of the landmines. You get to skip over another leader's pain mm. when you're in coaching instead of reliving everything they had to relive to learn that lesson. That's what I love about it. Right. Yeah, what is the saying? The wise learn from their own mistakes, but geniuses learn from other people's mistakes. So true. It's so true. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's get really practical on this. If somebody were to, uh, let's say, go to your website, 
CourageToLead.com. And they say, you know what? I think I need a coach. What does that look like? Is that a uh, once a week kind of thing? Is that twice a year you come visit? Is that a phone call? What am I signing up for? And what do I get from Courage to Lead? Hey, let me interrupt this podcast to just remind you about CourageToLead.com a great organization that is helping leaders build killer teams. And I'm happy to announce that I am now part of their organization, helping pastors and business leaders. If you'd like to learn more about me being your coach or finding a different coach, just check it out at my website, pastorrustygeorge.com for more information. All right, back to the show. Well, first thing we want to do is myself or a very small central support team of coaches, we like to do the initial call. We call it a breakthrough call. Because one, we're assessing we don't want to we don't want to partner with somebody we don't think we can help. There was a day when I just tried to coach everybody. <laughs> we're not a great fit for everybody. So we want to assess is our, our our best coaching candidates are not people we have to totally refashion and make out of dust, you know, but are people who just need that nudge. They need that permission. They're just two degrees off, you know. And if they had a coach, man, wow, we could help them, you know. So we're assessing that. Is it going to be a fit for who we think we can help? And secondly, knowing that we have multiple coaches, you know, who would be the best coach? You know, if we think about the three gears of growth, culture, team, and systems, you know, most leaders are are more naturally, intuitively strong in one or two of those areas, but they're a weaker leader in one of those areas. So we try to put them with a coach that's strong where they are weak. We also try to put them with a coach that's outside of their tribe. Mm. Because especially in ministry world, there is such a thing as a group think. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to the same big conference every year of their tribe, and everybody thinks alike. Everybody dresses alike. Everybody wears the same shoes. You know, so... We want to stretch your thinking and expand your horizons by, because we're not going to teach you how to do church. There's lots of networks and mega churches that do that now. What we want to teach you how to do is to position yourself, your team, your church for healthy growth mm. that doesn't crush you, you know, which means you got to get better, your team's got to get better, your culture, your systems, your leadership, you know, all that. So we want to put you with somebody and one of the one of the things I love about the way we built Courage to Lead, I'm proud of it, but it's not me. I mean, we have a bunch of guys like you that aren't retired pastors who haven't done it in 20 years. Listen, I'm smart enough to know all of a sudden, as of the time of this recording, I haven't been a senior pastor in t- nearly 10 years. Okay? So, yeah, I can help some guys, but to be honest with you, I know I'm tempted to give you advice that worked over a decade ago all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Right. But I've been able to build a team of guys like you who are practitioners who just led a church through a pandemic <laughs> and and can help others do the same, you know, and, and whatever that looks like in the future. So practitioner based coaching is one of the tenets, you know, that we hold out there. And I love it that all of our guys are leading a great church, you know, far enough ahead of the guys they're coaching but not so far ahead. I mean, we're not going to let you coach a guy that's running 100 people because you don't ever remember what it was like for a church to run 100 people. <laughs> You'd give bad advice yeah. because you're not you're you're going to condemn a guy running 100, yeah. you know, but you can really help a guy, you know, <laughs> running 500, running 1000 and trying to break through, you know, to that next level because you've done some of that. Yeah. You know, but you're not so far ahead you can't remember some of that. 
So if I sign up with Courage to Lead and I, I get kind of a you know an intake uh, exam, so to speak, figure out where the deficiencies are, where you can help me the most, you pair me up with a coach, and then from what I've experienced, because I did this very thing about two years ago, um, then it became a monthly Zoom call. And here's what I loved about it, Sean. It wasn't, we get on Zoom call and you say, well, how can I help? And you know, then I'm stammering for things. You came prepared with things you wanted to talk to me about and push me in. And the conversation usually went in a direction I was not even thinking of. What's some of the strategy behind that for your coaches that uh, help the people they coach along? Yeah. So first and foremost, I don't want to skip over the fact that one of the things we're able to do the way we built Courage to Lead is that we put a coach on retainer one-on-one to their client. So that coach is available to you as the leader, what we call 24-5. You text, email, reach out to your coach you have direct one-on-one access to, and they're going to get back with you the same day. One of our values is responsiveness. So we're going to get back with you because everything won't wait for a monthly coaching conversation. Right. You know, but everything shouldn't be urgent either. So as you know, we begin our coaching relationships with a couple of assessments. We have a ministry health assessment. I mean, we're not assessing you. That's what a consultant would do. We're just asking the right questions by the answers you give us. You know, you kind of currently assess how healthy the ministry is and where you feel competent and confident and where you don't. And then we have a leadership assessment. And that creates for us a baseline or, if you will, an attack strategy whereby we base our coaching. So we don't have, say you wanted to, you know, you were thinking, I want to have this coach for a year. We don't have like 12 predetermined modules, even though we probably have 50 modules. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to deliver those modules at the point of your pain, mm. at the point of your blind spot, at the areas where you feel weakest. You know, John Maxwell said, focus on your strengths, but I've never had a pastor say to me, Sean, what took us down was my strengths. No, it's your blind spot. It's your Achilles heels. It's the thing you don't even know you're not good at sometimes. Right. You know, that a coach needs to put their finger on and says, if you don't, if you don't pay attention to this, this is going to steal all your momentum. Mm-hmm. This is going to bite your church. It's going to bite your team. You know, and that's what a coach does. It kind of helps you point out your blind spots and sharpen those areas. But we determine all of that by the answers you give us up front. And then, then we start plotting along and tacking that. And we want to be proactive as coaches and bring content to bear that we've developed that speak to those blind spots. But then, of course, in every coaching conversation, we don't want it to be one way. I always flipped it around with you and we always have with all of our guys. Okay, what's on your list that maybe wasn't urgent? You didn't need me that day. But build a list of other things you'd just love to process out loud today. And we've been able to do that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors now, you know, to allow them to just a safe place. Because who do you talk to? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a little bit afraid to talk, talk about all that with the pastor in town. Afraid that could be used against you. You know, you can't talk to your staff about everything. You're thinking about firing a couple of them. You know, who do you talk to, you know, about all this? Your counselor has never hired and fired people. They're a one man, one woman show. So who, who do you talk to about all this stuff? You know, to me, it's your coach. It's it's, and they watch you play. And and we structure into the coaching relationship normally like an on-site visit every six months, just as we did with you and your team. You know, to meet your team, spend some time with them, because if we meet the key players of the team, we become even a better coach. Mm-hmm. 
you know, to the senior pastor or executive pastor, usually that we're coaching. And we have our own thoughts and outside perspective about whether she's on board or not, whether we think he can make the leap to the next level or not, whether he's executive or campus pastor material or not, you know, all that by being in the room, you know, with those people. And a lot of times when I go in, just like I did with you guys, like I'm having dinner with the pastor and his wife and I, I just I learn a lot mm-hmm. in that setting that makes me a better coach. And a lot of our pastor coaches, you know, operate the same way. That's so good. Well, I can just say as a uh, as a customer, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I had you on the show. We talked about coaching just out of my own curiosity. And at the end of it, I thought, I think I could really benefit from this because I just couldn't see the forest for the trees. I was so deep in it. I've been doing it for so long. And as you said to me at our one of our first coaching meetings, I just think you've lost your swagger, which was definitely true. And over the last two years, you have helped me navigate some very big decisions in my life uh, and seen it from a perspective that I couldn't and even my best friends couldn't. But you were at a... Uh, true, because there is a difference. Yeah. There is a big difference. And uh, that was... a. Extremely helpful. So uh, I just want to say all of our listeners, Sean has graciously invited me to join their team at Courage to Lead. And if you are interested in finding out more about coaching or interested in me being your coach, uh, I would be honored to be able to pass on this to somebody else. And so you can just go to my website, pastorrustygeorge.com, and sign up for coaching right there, or just click the link and find out more about it. And then I'll get you uh, via uh, Sean through Courage to Lead and find out all the details through that and set it all up and uh, we can get rolling. So, um, Sean, what other pieces of information about coaching am I missing? I'm excited to get started. Uh, Looking forward to helping other pastors. I've I've been in the game for 30 years now and certainly had my share of failures. And if I can help people navigate around that or through that, I'm happy to do so. But what have you seen and, and what's next? I'm glad you spoke of that. I mean, you lead an amazing ministry. You have a nationally syndicated ministry podcast. There's all that. But honestly, you know what the most valuable thing we have to offer right now is, Rusty? It's these gray hairs <laughs> that I've got a few of, that you've got a few of, that we earned the hard way, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we're not Johnny-come-latelys, mm. and we didn't start a church yesterday and the older I get, I'm not running from it. I actually getting why one of my best mentors is Sam Chan. We've become, you know, friend, close and dear friends. We talk almost every week now, who is uh, 70 ish. <laughs> and I, I don't even think he hit his prime until he was in his 60s. He's my hero, you know. And frankly, he's become a better mentor and coach to me every year he's aged, mm-hmm. you know. And I think for a lot of guys out there, who maybe don't have the size ministry you do, but frankly, they don't have the gray hairs that you do. All of that makes you valuable to them to like, I don't, I don't think I'm old enough to be a spiritual father yet. You aren't either, but we, <laughs> I, I love being a spiritual big brother. Yeah. I will, I will be your spiritual big brother. Yeah. And I, I, I am honored to be the spiritual big brother for hundreds, maybe thousands, you know, that have my cell phone number that I mentor and coach. I've talked to maybe a half dozen today, you know, some informal coaching relationships, some not, but all my years of what I've learned and even in the last nine years, I'm able to offer them. And I think that's true for you, mm-hmm. you know, as we embrace this next season of our life and station of life, we're both empty nesters mm-hmm. recently, you know, basically and all that. And like, we're able to walk men through this, right? you know, and women and leaders 
what we've what we've learned personally in our marriages, you know, in our ministries, the transitions we've gone through, all that we've earned and learned the hard way, and we're but we're able to pass on some of those cleanings to others. And you bring that to the table, my friend. We have some very young coaches, but we have some more mature coaches. And frankly, just between us girls, you and I have more to offer <laughs> because we've made more mistakes. We've made more mistakes, and we and, and we've lived more life. Yeah, that is boy, that is so true. And I just think about. You know, the people that you and I have got to meet along the way in the last 30 years of ministry that have given us great nuggets of wisdom that we wrote down or we memorized. And like you said, if you've ever heard me say anything good, I guarantee it wasn't mine. If I can pass that along to somebody, and I'm happy to give them credit if I remember who said it, and that's just a win. So if I, if I can pass that, they, they, give they, that. It probably didn't originate with them either. No, nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah. I think I read that somewhere. Well, buddy, this has been great. Always good to catch up. And I want to encourage everybody to, to check it out. Find out more. You can go to CourageTheLead.com. You can go to my website, PastorRustyGeorge.com. I'd be honored to help you out. So would Sean. And we're in your corner. So thanks, Sean. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Well, I am so grateful for my friendship with Sean Lovejoy, his coaching in my life, and now an opportunity to be part of Courage to Lead. If you would like to inquire about me being your coach, guess what? I would be honored. So please reach out to me at PastorRustyGeorge.com and we'll get started right there. Well, I'm grateful for Sean joining us this week, but next week we're back with a brand new episode. Boy, you're going to love this. Uh, This is a pastor of a church in Arizona who goes by the nickname The Cigar Preacher. Is that an oxymoron? Can that happen? I'll ask him that very thing. So join us next week. Make sure you share this with your favorite pastor so he can learn how to get coaching and get even better. And until next week, keep it simple.